Welcome to the study of God's Word recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Amen. I grew up in a family uh, that had a common saying when it came to sports and any type of game. I feel it's important to share with you before we get tonight's message. Uh, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1, and we're also going to be in Joshua chapter 6. Uh, but this statement is something that was common, and I was even reminded of another statement by my sister as I was prepping this message. But it went something like this. If we were going out to play sports, if we were going to play a board game, uh, it was often told to us, uh, we do not play to have fun. Uh, we play to win, because winning is fun. And, uh, and I would grow up knowing this as this is exactly what I would feel. So every time I would lose, because we would lose, life is filled with losses, it would feel so heartbreaking and so heart-wrenching. Uh, I wouldn't understand what it felt like to have fun if I didn't win. And of course, I was on a uh, baseball tournament team that would always come in second place in every tournament. Uh, I would feel this in board games, I'd feel this in, uh, in life in general, and I would just learn the sweetness of what it meant to be humbled and what it meant to lose. Uh, and my sister would say, uh, we'd often be told, don't come back if you're not going to be a winner. And uh, obviously, that was uh, in joking and in fun. But it's important because I think as you learn to grow in life, you come and you experience a lot of losses. Uh, I know for me, I'm a big Los Angeles uh, sports team fan. My Dodgers were swept out of the playoffs this year. One of the best teams in the nation, gone in three games. Uh, shh because the Rockies had over 100 losses this year. Just want to, <clears throat> and you Broncos fans, there's a lot less of you this season, I've noticed, um, because of losses. They, you know, they touch our lives. The USC Trojans, best college football team in the nation, has now two losses in a row. Uh, super heartbreaking. There's just loss after loss after loss. And obviously, those are fun losses, things that we can joke about, but there are some more serious losses. Uh, I think of losses of relationship. You know, I think of losses like a loss of a job. Uh, I think of a loss of a loved one. Uh, I think of losing your keys. Uh, that can be frustrating. I know that we had that happen to one of our own staff this week, and it was very frustrating. Uh, losing your anger or losing your temper. Uh, losing the opportunity that you thought was yours. Uh, but losing is something that happens quite often. And before we jump into Joshua chapter 6 tonight, I want to jump into Joshua chapter 1, because I think context is really important. Uh, Joshua chapter 6 is what our title is. It's going to be Sweet Victory. It's a victory that the children of Israel experience. It's a victory that Joshua gets to experience. But before they experience that victory, they're in a moment of great loss, great weeping, great sorrow, great change, and a great season that is really different. It's a season of transition. It's a season of change. So if you would pick up with me in Joshua chapter 1, uh, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 9. And very simply, I, I want to paint a picture for you and give you a little bit more uh, context to what's going on, what we're about to jump into. The children of Israel for generation after generation were slaves in Egypt. The Lord raised up a man by the name of Moses to lead them out of their slavery. Uh, because of some rebelliousness that they had in their heart uh, on that journey to the promised land that the Lord had given them, they were then detoured for 40 years in the wilderness. What was supposed to be a short journey to the promised land became a long, strenuous, uh, filled with opposition journey, so much so that the generation that was brought out of Egypt would pass away before entering into the promised land. And the next generation, their kids and grandkids, would be the ones that would inherit the promise of the promised land. 
Not only that, it would happen right as we jump into Joshua chapter one, that there would be a loss of the great leader, uh, their leader, Moses. Uh, it says in verse one, as we we're about to look at, Moses has died. And what's interesting about this, if you read the chapter before Joshua chapter one, Moses dies at the age of 120, but it wasn't a natural type of death. It says that Moses' eyes weren't dimmed uh, because of his old age and his natural vigor wasn't diminished. He died very vibrant, he died very healthy, and he died ready to take on whatever the Lord had for him. However, because he misrepresented God during that time of wandering, his consequence was not entering into the promised land with his people. Uh, and that consequence would lead him to going home to be with the Lord. So Joshua chapter one opens up in a time where I think sometimes we can miss it. Um, but pick up with me, we'll read the first uh, nine verses and we'll jump into a little bit more. It says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses's assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, in verse 4, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law in verse eight shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For when you will for then you will make your ways prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, the reason why I wanna jump into this passage first before we jump into this great victory that we'll see in chapter six is because it's important to understand what they're walking into and what they're bringing with them. They're bringing with them in the previous chapter, great weeping and great sorrow. Uh, they're bringing with them a change in direction, a change in leadership, a transition. They had stability. They had someone they could look to. They had someone that had experience that had brought them through this and this and this. And now Joshua, the assistant of Moses, is inheriting this nation, inheriting the promise of the Lord and inheriting these instructions. And for you and I, when we experience new things or when we experience change or such dramatic loss like this, sometimes it can be confusing. Sometimes it can be lonely. Sometimes it can be misleading. Our emotions have a lot to do with our actions. And at times it's hard for us to determine where do we need to go next? What's the next step look like? Why are we here? Why did God abandon us? Why did he take our leadership from us? For Joshua, he's inheriting a people that their history is not necessarily a smooth one. Uh, they're not necessarily the non-disgruntled, the non-mumbler, the non-complainers. They quite often were raised by a group of complainers. They were raised by a group of people that did not obey the Lord word for word. And because of that, they suffered great consequence. He not only is leading this new group, but he's also doing it alone. Uh, he was the assistant to Moses. It doesn't speak about him having an assistant. He's inheriting this while also dealing with grief, 
while also dealing with hurt, while also dealing with the unsurety of what's next. And what I love about the Lord and what I love about this passage is that the Lord is not far from him and not far from us in times of transition and change, in times of great loss. The Lord could have easily just said, Joshua, you need to continue and move on, let's go. But he doesn't do that. What he does is he reaffirms Joshua where he's at. He reaffirms his relationship with him. He reaffirms his commands to him. And he also reaffirms the promises to him. And what I love about the Lord is he doesn't feel far from us when we go through these seasons of great loss or great change or great transition. However, he, he not only doesn't feel far, but he desires to be even closer. He desires to develop in us this intimacy that we can take with us as we take hold of the promises he has before us. Now look at a couple things here in, in verses one through nine, some things I want uh, to point out as they jump in. What Israel was realizing as they were gonna take over the promised land was that they were gonna face battle after battle. It wasn't necessarily gonna be easy. And what the Lord does is he reestablishes not only the, the plan, but also the promises that come with obedience to that plan. He says this in verse three, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. He says in, number, in verse five, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For this people you shall divide as an inheritance, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And if you go down to verse nine, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oftentimes when we are faced with great transition, when we're faced with great change and we're faced with the overwhelming feelings of our emotions, it's important to take a step back and allow the Lord to come alongside us and comfort us with his truth. And for you and I, we have his truth in his word. Uh, what I love about these promises to Joshua, they're direct, they're to the point, and they promise him victory after victory after victory. They promise that he will be the one who fulfills the promise that the Lord had given to the generations past. And for you and I, it's important that we step back in our times of change, in our times of loss, in our times of uh, feeling overwhelmed, and we allow the Lord to redirect and reestablish and reaffirm our foundation in him. Because with every change and with every direction, every new season that we face, the Lord is near us to walk alongside us. He hasn't left us and he's not far. He desires that intimacy to grow. He desires to remind us that he is with us. And for Joshua, I can't imagine how encouraging these words were. However, but you see there, there's, there's two things the Lord tells him. And he says it multiple times. He says, be strong and of good courage. I think it's important that we realize that because he wouldn't be telling Joshua these things unless one, Joshua was in need of strength and he was afraid, which means he was weak and afraid getting ready to walk into the promised land. Be strong and of good courage. I love that and I love that the Lord is able to tell us that because I think oftentimes when we go through things, and I know for me, many variety of losses in my life, I do feel weak. I do feel at my limit. I do feel at my edge. I do need his strength. And sometimes I am afraid because it's not how it was supposed to end. It was supposed to end in victory. It was supposed to end in a time of being triumphant. I've been following along the Lord for so long and yet where is God's victories that he promises me when I'm looking at a loss? Well, I'm looking at a change or a transition. And for you and I, it's important that we remember to take a step back and allow the Lord, just like he did with Joshua and the children of Israel, remind us how much he loves us, remind us how much he's near to us, and remind us that there's victory after victory awaiting us, as long as there's also obedience. 
If you would, one more verse to look at before we move on to chapter six. It says in verse seven, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. It's important that you understand and that we understand, especially in our walk with the Lord, that the promises of God come with commands. The plans of God come with a desire for us to follow in. And when we obey the Lord, we will see those plans come to fruition. Obedience leads to victory. Obedience to the Lord leads to those times of victory that we desire to see in our lives. And oftentimes when you go through a loss, it's hard to think of the next thing being anything better. Oftentimes when you go through a loss after loss after loss, you expect a loss. But that's not how it works with the relationship with the Lord. The Lord desires to walk with you through your loss and to show you and give you victory. And for the people of Israel and for Joshua, they're about to experience, although they've lost this leader, this friend, this experience, this uh, stability that Moses brought, they hadn't lost the Lord. Different leader, different time, but same God and same promises. And that still goes for us today. So if you would pick up with me in chapter six of Joshua, as we read, we're gonna go through verse 14. We're gonna try to cover the whole chapter if we can uh, with time, but we're gonna read verses one through 14. Joshua chapter six. It says, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horns. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people in verse seven, proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horn uh, horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. In verse nine, the armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, you should not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. Now, this is a common Bible story. If you grew up in the church, you're very familiar with this. Even uh, you would say the world is very familiar with the story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho. But we come to this sealed city. This was the first city that they would be commanded to take. 
And Joshua is told, see, I've given Jericho into your hands. And this is how you're going to do it. He gave him very specific commands. You need to make sure that you're walking around the city once. Uh, he has a number of priests that they need to be blowing the trumpets. The people need to be silent. And you're going to do this six days in a row, just walking around at once. And on the seventh day, you're going to walk around it seven times. And the priests are going to blow their trumpets. And then you're going to have the people shout. And then the walls will fall down flat. Not forward, not backwards, flat. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never been in a position to be able to take a city like this. And every movie that I've watched uh, that goes back would never be, uh, this would not be the strategy. It would involve battering rams. It would involve catapults. It would involve these mechanisms of war. However, God tells Joshua, this is how it's going to be done. Now, again, remember, Joshua is having to process this after experiencing great loss. This is his first step of faith his first test of leadership, that he is now to take this word from the Lord and bring it to the people and tell them, hey, we're going to get victory by doing this. Logically, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't fit the plan. This doesn't seem like it's going to work out. And for you and I, we read this because we know the ending. We know that the walls will come down, spoiler alert. But in the moment, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't process correctly. And I want you to put yourself in Joshua's shoes, because oftentimes we're called by the Lord to do certain things through scripture, through words from others, from leaders, from friends, through our times of prayer that don't necessarily make sense. It doesn't seem like it's going to work. Why would the Lord ask this of me if it's not going to work? Why is he putting me in this position again, as Joshua, to go back to the people and sound like a fool, to sound like an idiot, to sound like someone who doesn't know what he's talking about, to lead us vulnerably walking around a secure and sealed wall. We're under the wall. They could attack us. They could throw things at us. They could kill us. And all he wants us to do is blow trumpets and walk around it six days in a row and then do it seven times at the end and all shout together. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem like it's going to work. And oftentimes, again, with us and our walks with the Lord, there are things that we hear from God that God commands us to do, but in the moment, it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. I don't get it, God. What do you mean I need to forgive them? They've wronged me. They've hurt me. They've taken from me. What do you mean I need to place my trust in you for the next position, for the next job? What do you mean it's good that I lost this relationship? What do you mean that it's fill in the blank? And the Lord says, this is how I need you to handle it. What? Lord, I have a family and kids. What do you mean? I have people that depend on me. Not only do I need you to do this, but I need you to go and tell them they need to do it too. And they need to do it this way. Lord, don't you understand what we're about to do? Don't you understand what you've told us? And again, as we look at scripture, and as we know how it ends, and we understand the promises of God, don't return void. They don't know this yet. They haven't experienced this victory yet. They don't have a book that they open up and they say, no, don't worry, this is how it's going to end. For you and I, we have that, and yet we still have a hard time doing the things the Lord asks us to do, because it doesn't align with our logic. It doesn't align with what we would say is common sense. It doesn't make sense because the things that the Lord is calling us to do in God's economy 
just work differently than the things that we would expect. They were now not being put in a position to see if they'd be obedient to the Lord, but to see if Joshua would trust the Lord with this new command. What I love about Joshua is he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't skip a beat. You don't see him going back to the Lord saying, hold on, Lord, I know you told us you're gonna have great victory, but this is not how we're gonna do it. This is not how we've done it in the past. We've had two victories before the promised land when we took out the kings of Og. There was different victories and we did it this way. Why wouldn't we do it this way with Jericho? You don't see that. You see Joshua going back to the people, immediately calling them to obedience, saying, this is how we're going to do it. And so often in our lives, it's important for us to go back to the people that the Lord has placed in our lives to be a good example in obedience and say, this is what I'm doing and this is why we're doing it. This is why I'm doing it. Your faith inspires others. Your trust inspires others. It influences those around you. And I don't want you to take it lightly that your influence doesn't mean anything. The people in your circle, the people that God has brought into your life, your quick obedience, your ability to submit to the Lord in times of change, in times of transition, in times of heaviness is key for people to see. It's actually gonna inspire obedience in others. I know you may not see yourself as a leader. Well, I don't lead a great nation. I just lead my life. Well, your life has great impact. The Lord has created you for a purpose and for a plan for a future. People look at you and wonder why you live your life the way you do, especially when it seems so illogical, when it doesn't make sense, when it doesn't settle in their minds correctly. And your quick obedience like Joshua is the difference between someone accepting God for who he is or trusting in their own logic and finding failure. He brings the people up, the priests get their trumpets, they get ready to uh, blow them, they, they decide this is what we're going to do. He does it in verse 11. He had the ark of the Lord circle the city going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. Day one was done and nothing happened. But then you see they do it day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. And we end in verse 14. So they did this six days. What I love about this, it wasn't just a one-time obedience for Joshua. It was consistent obedience. And for some of us, we may be willing to take the first step and say, okay, Lord, I'll do it. And you do it day one, but then you don't see immediate victory. And you remember the Lord is actually asking me to be consistent in my obedience. It's not just a one time and done. It's one day, two days, three days, four days, consistently choosing the Lord over even Joshua's own logic, consistently choosing the Lord over the things that you may believe are the right way but you're battling. You're like, man, I don't know. The Lord, I just got to do it. And I can promise you here, God's plans come with his promises and our obedience to his plans and our obedience to his word over our own desires will always lead to enjoying his promises. And for the people of Israel, for Joshua, for you and I today, the promises of God are filled with victories. They're filled with sweet victories. You would pick up with me in verse 15. We're going to finish the chapter. It says, it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day, only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. 
Verse 18, and you by all means abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out uh, the country, go into the harlot's house, and from there bring out the woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they had burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Then in verse 26, Joshua charged them at that time saying, cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds the city, Jericho. He shall lay its foundations with his firstborn and his youngest he shall set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout all the country. If you would real quick, before we jump into this section, please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. I love this passage. Uh, for many reasons, but I also love uh, really the main reasons because the Bible is just straightforward. I appreciate a strong word. I appreciate a direct word. I appreciate a word that I don't have to try to figure out. It's just to the point. And the Lord loves me because he puts these types of verses in the Bible. I know it. Isaiah 55, starting in verse six. Some of you need to hear this today as you're wrestling, as you're fighting. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call about, upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and who have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And here's the key, verse eight. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. The Lord is so good to us to remind us that he doesn't think the way we do. Uh, he doesn't love the way we do. He doesn't act the way we do. He goes beyond and goes before so that we might be able to put our trust and faith in him. But every so often I have to remind myself, although I feel this is the right direction, it may not line up with what the Lord has for my life. I may need to pause. It doesn't matter if I've been in the word. It doesn't matter if I've been praying. It doesn't matter if I've been serving the Lord. It's always important for me to take a step back and say, Lord, is this truly the way that you desire me to go? Am I going my own way or am I submitting myself to your way? Am I allowing my thoughts to be intertwined with your thoughts? Am I submitting myself or surrendering myself, taking my logic and saying, Lord, please redefine what I think so that I might follow in your way? Because God's way, and we would all agree in this, is the best way. But oftentimes we mix those things because it might be good intentions. It might make sense. It might seem to fit what the Bible says. But if you have to ask the Lord, then it may not be from him. I would encourage you, church, that you sit down before you make these decisions, especially in times of change, especially in times of transition, especially in times where your emotions are all over the place. Pause and allow the Lord to redirect and decide which direction you need to go. Because if you don't, 
it could end in another loss. And the Lord desires to lead you into victory. And I know it's scary. Like I know it's unsettling. I know it may not make necessarily the right sense. It may not be logical. But as we see here in scripture, Joshua's obedience to do what God called him to do brought great victory. It didn't just bring great victory, it brought exact victory. I don't know if you picked it up, but the walls fell flat after they shouted and obeyed the Lord on the seventh day. Seven times they went around, seven more opportunities for the people of Jericho to attack them, seven more opportunities for them to doubt the Lord. They finish, they shout, and the walls fall down. What that shows is Joshua's great faith, the people's great trust in their new leader during this time of transition and change ended in great victory. Because when there's complete obedience, there could be complete victory. Now, I also don't want to go too far uh, without mentioning what we've read and where it says there was a great slaughtering of men and women, old and young animals, and I don't want to ignore this. Uh, it's a very important point as we read through this. Uh, the people of Israel were being used by the Lord to bring judgment on a very wicked people, uh, people that had a lack in moral society. They had no morals. Uh, they were known, the Canaanites and the different ites that you'll be hearing if you were to continue reading the book of Joshua, uh, were very uh, wicked in the sense uh, that they would even kill and sacrifice their kids to honor their gods. Uh, they would burn them alive oftentimes. Uh, the Lord, as great as he is and loving as he is, he's also holy. And a holy God needs to be a just God. And a just God needs to bring consequences for wickedness. And for the people of Israel, they were coming into the land as promised by God, as also a tool by God to bring judgment to these wicked nations that chose not to follow after God. The Lord had great love for them, and I don't want you to think that the Lord, no, he assigned them for judgment. Not always. And Rahab the harlot, this small section of scripture that we see of her, is a perfect example of God's grace and love. He told her that because he, she obeyed and she surrendered her life to the Lord because of what she had heard and what she had seen and what she had uh, learned from the spies, she was told that you will be saved if you do a certain thing. And that thing was to throw out a scarlet rope or a scarlet yard out of her window so that she would be identified by the people of Israel and not be destroyed. She did this out of faith. She did this out of trust. And she wasn't the best of Jericho. She wasn't the greatest of Jericho. She was a part of the immoral Jericho. She was a part of the lost Jericho. Yet because of her obedience and her love for the Lord, she found salvation. God's grace towards her and her family's life brought salvation to not just her, but also her family. The Lord loved the people that he's created. The Lord loves you and I, but sin does have a consequence. And today we're blessed by living in a, in a day and age where Jesus took on the consequence, took on the judgment of sin, which is death. And we're covered by his blood so that anyone here tonight and anyone listening online or watching at home, you can accept Christ as well. And the Lord will cover you with the blood of his son so that you might also be saved. But the people of Israel were walking into this in obedience, commanded by a holy God, a just God, to be a tool of judgment for the wickedness that was being perverted in the promised land. Joshua walks in with the people. They destroy the city and he gives one final warning. He says, please do not take of the accursed things. Do not take of them because you will be cursed. The things that you will take will be given back to the treasury of the Lord. It's important to realize this because even in great victories, there's a temptation to take the victory for ourselves. 
to take the spoils and the blessings of whatever it is that you experience and say, you know what? This was because of me. Thank you. I'm so good at this. I obeyed the Lord so well, victory's here. And it's a trap. There's pride. Even in great victories that we had nothing to do with, we can even take pride in saying, I did it so well. That's why I'm being blessed. This was an opportunity for the people of Israel to stop, to be reminded that they cannot take of the accursed things. Why? Because it would curse the people of Israel. It would not just curse them, it would curse the entire camp. I point that out as well because it's important for us to realize that our influence to help people lead, uh, or our influence to help lead people to the Lord in obeying the Lord is also the same influence that can lead them away from the Lord and affect everyone in our circle. Our sin doesn't just affect us. It affects everybody else that's involved in our life. Our disbelief or our unbelief, our disobedience, our pride, taking the, the glory for ourselves doesn't just affect you, it affects everyone around you. And Joshua is quick to remind them, hey, I know we have great victory. I know we're about to enjoy this great blessing, but do not take of these things for yourself because it will curse the people around you. Give the things that are valuable to the Lord. If you were to continue reading Joshua chapter seven, the very next chapter, you'll find out that there was a man by the name of Achan who did not obey this command. And the people of Israel, after this great victory, go to take on the people of Ai, a smaller group of people. They actually send even less of their warriors out. And they go confidently because they are leaving a great victory. They're excited. The Lord is with us. He answers all his promises. They get to chapter seven. They get to the people of Ai and they get destroyed. They lose life. They did not get the great victory they were expecting. Why? Because there was sin in the camp. And that sin was started here in Jericho. When God was trying to bless them with a sweet victory, there was one man who took some for himself and cursed the camp around him and caused a loss of life for the people of Israel. It's so important for you and I that we remember even in our great victories, in the excitement of enjoying the blessings of God, that we stop and we realize that this is all by God and for God. I just get to partake and enjoy the victory that's with the Lord. And it's a sobering thought because sometimes I get lost as well in the victories. Like I, I think that it's all because of me. I did such a great job obeying God. Amen, hallelujah. I'm a holy saint today. And the Lord just stops me. He's like, hey, wait, just because I used you and just because you did what I said doesn't mean you're God. It doesn't mean that this is all because of you. It's my grace on, my, on your life to allow you to be a part of my plan so that you can enjoy the victories that I have for you. But it's not your victory. And it's a subtle reminder to us, even in this great victory in Jericho, that Joshua had to stop the people and tell them, hey, do not take of the accursed things. Do not ruin this for everybody else. Enjoy what God has done. He fulfilled his promise. He fulfilled the victory. But do not ruin it by allowing pride into your life and stealing some of the glory for the Lord. I love walking with the Lord. I enjoy his victory after victory, but I also have experienced ruining enjoying that blessing because I did it incorrectly or I did it with the wrong motives. I wanted the victory and that was it. And I forgot the Lord. For you and I, we have to be careful as the Lord uses us to do great things. It's not about us. It's about the Lord even giving us the desire to obey him. And again, the height of emotions, the height of enjoying what God is doing in your life, the height of just giving great praise to the Lord, we can't forget and we can't, we can't allow ourselves uh, to take that glory uh, for ourselves. I even think of, uh, have you even seen that video for Operation Christmas Child? 
Like, we're going to fill those boxes. We're going to send them out. But how foolish of it would it be for us to say, because I filled that box, some kid's going to get saved, and that's going to my account in heaven. Like, hold on. I mean, it's a silly analogy, but we do it often in different areas of our life. The Lord is just asking you to fill a box and bless someone. So they might be able to use your obedience to go and do great things around the world with your obedience. We have to be careful not to take the great things that God is doing in and through our lives as something that it's from us and only for us. It's from the Lord and for the Lord. And we have to give him the glory and honor and praise. If you would, uh, one more passage before we close. If you would turn with me to Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs chapter three. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 is a great one to memorize, but I also would say if you're going to memorize that one, I would uh, memorize also Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It's super important and super uh, just necessary to have Bible memorization in your life. And these would be two that are just great. They help us through so many different avenues of life, so many different situations. It says this, chapter 3, verse five and six. We actually might even read a little bit more. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. We'll continue on in verse 11. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. It is so important for us to realize in the heights of our emotion, whether it's a great loss that you're feeling, I want to encourage you tonight that the Lord is not far from you. In fact, he desires to lead you into your next victory. He desires to grow in intimacy with you. He desires to cover you and protect you and remind you of who you have in Christ in your relationship with the Lord. But also, for those of you who are experiencing great victory, it's also a different type of height of emotion. I want to exhort you and I want to warn you that don't forget the glory that you're experiencing, the blessing that you're experiencing is from the Lord. The Lord loves you and he's allowing you these victories, but don't forget that the spoils go back to God. They had nothing to do with us. The people of Israel and their shouts are not what made the walls fall down flat. Their obedience was just to show that the Lord was going to be truthful to his promises. He made the walls fall down flat, not their shouts. He gave them the great victory, not their marching around the city. If you really think about it, it was silly. There is no reason for that to happen. Why would the walls fall down? You can be like, well, science would say that the vibrations from all their yelling, stop. That's not what happened. The walls fell flat because the Lord put them down flat. The walls fell flat, not because of their obedience, but because the Lord said, because you've done what I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you great victory. And for you and I, it's hard sometimes to choose to follow after the Lord in times of great distress, in times of great change, in times of great loss, especially when it doesn't make sense. But I'm here to tell you, Joshua chapter one is to encourage you that the Lord is not far. And Joshua chapter six is to encourage you that no matter how crazy it may sound, the Lord's way is always the best way. Because great victory, sweet victory, is in obedience to God and the plans that he's given before us. 
Great obedience brings great promise, and great promises bring great victory, because the Lord our God is with us, and he will not forsake us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are not far from us, Lord. I thank you for the stories that you've given us in scripture. I thank you for the story of Joshua. I thank you, Lord, for the children of Israel. I thank you, Lord, that you give us their best and you also give us their worst. I thank you, Lord, that you accept us and you love us through our best and also through our worst. I pray, Lord, for our church today. I pray that as you have brought this message, Lord, I pray for those who are in deep uh, loss right now, Lord, that are really struggling and wrestling with their life. Lord, I pray for those who uh, maybe have gone through loss, but now they're here in a place of obedience and it just doesn't make sense what you're asking them to do. I pray that you would confirm it in their heart, Lord, that you'd settle their mind, that you bring them that peace that surpasses all understanding as they take that step of faith in trusting you. I pray, Lord, you remind us that our ways are not your ways and our thoughts are not your thoughts. I thank you for your promises and your word, Lord, that bring great blessing, that bring great victory. But I also pray, Lord, that we wouldn't take it for granted and we wouldn't take the, the victory for ourselves. We'd remember to give the glory back to you because you love us so. Before we close, I wanna just give an opportunity. You may be here tonight and you may not have a relationship with God. Uh, you may be in a place where you don't even have what Joshua has, where the Lord is able to come alongside him after a great loss of a great friend. It's great instability and, and the Lord comes and comforts him, reaffirms him, establishes him and gives him direction for his life. And right now you're hearing nothing because you have no relationship with the Lord. And I wanna give you an opportunity tonight. It's really simple. God says that if you would like to have a relationship with him, all you have to do is repent, which means turn away from your mistakes or as the Bible calls them, sins. Because one mistake is all it takes to separate you from a loving and perfect God. But God loves you so much that he said that I wanna be with you in your ups and in your downs, in your victories and your losses. I wanna give you direction for your life. I wanna give you a future and a hope as it says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. And for you right now, if you're here tonight and you're like, I don't have that opportunity, I don't have that encouragement, I need that relationship with the Lord, I'm gonna give you a time to just surrender to God, to repent, to turn away. Repent, all that means is turning away from your sins, turning away from your mistakes, believing that there was a God and is a God who loved you so much that he sent his son down named Jesus to die for you on the cross. And by his death, he took the punishment of your mistakes, your sins, and he washed you clean with his blood. So that when God sees you now, he doesn't see you as a sinner or as a mistake maker, or as someone who needs to stay far from him. He sees you as a person who's covered by his perfect son's blood. And he sees that he desires to have a relationship with you. And with relationship with God comes the promises and comes the victory and comes the things that we so need and desire in our lives as we walk through this world. So if that's you today and you feel like, I want to do that, I want to repent, I want to receive Jesus, I want to proclaim that I believe in this God, that wants to have a relationship with me. Would you just stand so I could see you? This also goes for those of you who are listening uh, on the radio. You don't have to stand in your car. You can pull off to the side. Um, or those watching online. The Lord wants to have a relationship with you just as much as he does with those in this room. He loves you just the same. And it's no coincidence that you're watching online or you're listening on the radio or that you're sitting here tonight. The Lord has this moment for you because he wanted to make sure that you know how much he loves you.
going to lead you in this prayer. Simple as this. Dear Heavenly Father, I repent of my sins. I ask for your salvation. I ask for you to be my savior. I ask to be washed clean of my sins. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord and you are God. You came down as a man and you died on the cross for me. And you rose again three days later to show how much love you had for me. I ask, Lord, that you would fill me up with your Holy Spirit so that I might live the rest of my days for you. Not in my own strength, but by the strength that you desire to give me. I thank you for this love and this opportunity. And I accept your gift of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, we can clap for sure. Uh, if that was you today and you're here in this room, uh, we have books on the side of the stage that we'd love to connect you with a pastor or someone on our prayer team. Uh, we don't want you to start this journey alone. We don't want you to start this relationship alone. We want to equip you and help you. If you uh, got saved online or, or you're listening on Grace FM, we have the same book available in PDF uh, that we would love to give to you on, on our website. Uh, there's a little page called uh, Know God or How to Know God. Uh, you can always give us a call too and we'll walk you through that book. Um, we desire to walk with you. We don't desire you to be alone as you make this decision. So if that's with you today, please join us here up at the stage. If you're watching online, find it on the internet, give us a uh, call. You can find it at calvaryco.church slash God. Uh, we'd love to connect with you and help you in this new walk. So thank you guys. It's always a pleasure. Be safe as you head out and God bless. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.